Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Two instruments that are mentioned in Revelation, only two of them, the harp or the lyre and the trumpet. The only ones mentioned. And notice they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? That's the question. For you alone are holy. For all nations, all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Today on Truth in Christ, our scripture says, They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Thanks for joining us today. The tribulation martyrs are given the blessing of worshiping God with music in heaven. This song goes by two titles, the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Here is a perfect union between the law and love, between the old covenant and and the new covenant. Now let's join Pastor Rob in chapter 15 in the book of Revelation as he continues our journey. Yes, t- <laughs> people who collect ta- taxes, uh, I've lost my head. Tax collector, there we go. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, I only had one cup of coffee this morning. But they found them where they actually said, to tell us, stay I. When you paid your taxes, you were stamped or, or written to Telestai. It's finished. Your, your debt has been paid. The debt has been paid. And that's exactly what Jesus spoke on the cross. It was the very last word that he spoke on the cross. To Telestai, it is finished. I love what John Walvoord said. He says, God did not leave his work of redemption half completed. It's completed. And he will not leave his work of judgment half completed either. He will finish what he started. That's the way he is, and that's what he is. If Jesus came to earth to seek and to save the lost, there is a remnant then, unfortunately, that is left, and they have chosen not to be saved. Salvation is a decision that you have to make, and I pray you make it today. Don't leave this place without giving your heart to Christ. If you come in this morning and you're sitting here and you've never given your heart to Christ, listen, you must give your heart to Jesus. It's not even a question of, you know, you, you, you have, you know, it's a good idea. No, you must. Give your heart to Him. I gave my heart to Him when I was 24 years old, and I wished now that I had given my heart as soon as I came out of the womb. It would have saved me so much pain and heartache throughout my life. I made a mess of everything. I made a mess of my life. Did you make a mess of your life? Maybe you were going along and you were thinking, well, my life was actually pretty good. Well, it was a deception. 
but I made a mess of my life. I wish I could go back, and while I was still sucking my thumb in my mother's womb, I wish I could have given my heart then, or had my big toe in my mouth in my mother's womb. I wish I could have given my heart to the Lord then. That would have been awesome. But you come to the Lord when you come to the Lord, and it's never too late. It's never too late. Even in the tribulation period, there's going to be opportunity, folks, but it's going to be really, 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 really hard. The deception and the deceit is going to be so intense, and God is going to send a strong delusion. You've never experienced that. The devil can deceive. Have you ever been, have you ever been oppressed by the devil himself? I don't know that I ever have. Probably demons, I'm sure. Uh, but I've never been uh, oppressed by the devil himself. Now think of the one who created all things. If he sends a strong delusion, oh my goodness, you better look out. So don't think you're strong enough to go through this and say, well, I'll just wait until the church is raptured and see if this is all really true, and then I'll give my heart to the Lord. <laughs> uh, don't have that much confidence in your own self. You have no idea. And he won't force you to be with him. God will never force you to be with him. There are people on the earth, and I don't understand it, they're just like, you know what, I hate God so much, I want to be free. It sounds like Psalm 2, doesn't it? I want to cast his cord from me. I don't want him. I want to be my own dog. I want to do my own thing. I want to have a party with my friends in hell. You hear people talking like that? Nonsense. Foolishness. Foolishness. But God will never say, you have to come. He's going to give you the opportunity and gently... He's going to love you right to the end. He's going to love you right to the end until you take your last breath. What a loving God we serve. (laughs) Isn't he awesome? It makes you want to worship him the more, doesn't it? It makes you want to worship him the more. But notice in verse 2, I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast and over his image, over his mark, over the number of his names, they're standing on the sea of glass. Who are these people? These are those who have been martyred during the tribulation period. They are standing there. They had the victory over the beast, over his image, over the mark, everything. And when we see this sea of glass, it reminds us of that heavenly scene that we saw back in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, where it says in Revelation 4 verse 6, that there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around about the throne, there were four living creatures full of eyes in the front and the back. The sea of glass speaks of God's purity, of his holiness. But notice that it says that it's mingled with fire because God will ultimately destroy the earth with fire. When, it, when, a, when purity is mixed with fire, that speaks of God's vengeance. In Second Thessalonians, it talks about this. It talks about this. In fact, these two verses are probably one of the too few that speak of that God is going to destroy this earth after the millennial reign of Christ. This earth will dissolve with fire, with fervent heat. And these are two verses the biggest ones that you're going to find. In 2 Thessalonians verse 1, verse 6, says, Since it is a righteous thing, notice, it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Notice, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. 
when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. And what does it say in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7? This is probably one of the most poignant verses concerning this doctrine. But the heavens and the earth, which are now reserved by the same word, this heavens and earth, the earth that we live on, terra firma, it is preserved by the same word. They are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Notice down in verse 10 of that same chapter, he says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which, here it is, the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it shall be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens shall be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Isn't that what he promised? Isn't that what Jesus promised? He says, I go and I prepare a place for you. It wasn't in John chapter 14. And guess what? In Revelation 21, he says, Behold, a new heavens and a new earth, for the former one passes away. It's not consumed by the flood. God said he'd never do that again, but by fire, yes. It's going to be consumed. And these martyrs are going to die. And notice it's not for nothing. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For me to live... Or for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This short time on earth is very short. It's very short. Maybe 80 years, maybe 90 years. And if you're really fortunate, and you've been eating your Wheaties, you might even live to be 100, and you've taken your vitamin C. You might even live to be 100. But that's it. Then, eternity. Do you understand? And God wants to spend eternity with you. He loves you. He created you. The Bible says that while you were formed in, 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 in while you were being formed in the womb, God knew you. Isn't that what He said to Jeremiah? And the same is true for us. He knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. How great is that? He had a plan for me before I even knew, before I even existed. How great is that? Psalm one thirty nine. Read it. I love it. Read Psalm one thirty nine. It speaks of God's omniscience, His omnipresence. He's all-powerful. He's all places at once. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? There's no place you can go. And guess what? Everywhere there is, God is, and he can be. He can meet you in the dungeon. He can meet you at the, on your deathbed. He will meet you anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter where you're at. You could be in the bottom of the Bermuda Triangle, one of the trenches in Bermuda. You could be down there several five, you know, five or six miles below He says, I got you. I made it all. It's nothing compared to me. Nothing. But these tribulation saints, they are going to be resurrected. We find that in Revelation chapter 20 when it talks about when the thousand years are... um, It says that I, I saw thrones... And they that sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image. These are people who died in the tribulation period. These people are going to be resurrected at the end of 
the tribulation period. In other words, at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, they will be resurrected. Notice what it says, that uh, these are those who did not worship the beast or his image, had not received his mark uh, on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for what? A thousand years. They're going to live with him. They're going to be resurrected. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And that is exactly what's going to happen. Notice in verse 2 that these, having harps of God, the two instruments that are mentioned in Revelation, only two of them, the harp or the lyre and the trumpet, the only ones mentioned. And notice they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? That's the question. For you alone are holy. For all nations, all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. You know, when you think about... When you compare this with the Exodus, remember in the Exodus when the children of Israel were there in Egypt and they were put into slave labor for over 200 years? They were beaten by their taskmasters. The Pharaoh who oversaw them was an evil man. And finally, when God brings the plagues upon Egypt, just as he's going to be bringing these plagues upon the earth, there's a lot of similarities here between the Exodus and what we're going to see in this last six vials of wrath that are going to be poured out. As the children of Israel are running from Pharaoh and his armies, remember when he got them into the, the Red Sea, right at the edge of the Red Sea, and Pharaoh and his armies are coming down them like a cloud. <laughs> and God tells Moses, raise up your staff. Huh? Raise up your staff. Boom. The waters part, they go through. The Egyptian army comes after them, and there's remnants of these uh, chariot wheels over there. Did you know that? I've seen pictures of them. they got, they got coral all around them, but they're there in the sea, in the Red Sea. There's evidence that that happened. It's not just some kind of neat fairy tale like, you know, people like think of Jonah. Oh, that's a cute, such a cute children's story. No, it's not. It's not a story. It's history. That's happened before by the way. Man has fallen over in a whaling ship, got swallowed by one of those big whales by accident. A couple days later, he gets, that whale gets harpooned by another ship. They bring it up. They cut it open. Out comes this guy. He's still breathing, still alive. Skin is all bleached. Looks kind of white. But he made it. But I'm sure it's just impossible. I'm sure it's impossible. I mean, the science doesn't, you know. Well, guess what? God is the author of science. But notice, compare this with the Jews leaving Egypt and being chased by Pharaoh. And we see the Jews and, and all the Christians, the people who are going to be giving their heart to Christ, they're going to be on the run in these last, this last half of this tribulation period. They're going to be on the run, being chased by a Pharaoh-like man called the Antichrist and his armies. They are going to be hunted and think of how the Jews here are now going to be thinking. They're going to sing, the, uh, the, the Jewish people who are going to be on the run at this time, they're going to sing the song of Moses. They're going to sing the song of Moses. You can read Exodus chapter 15, and it's a song that, that is spoken by, uh, by Moses when they did come through the Red Sea, and finally uh, Egypt and their chariots and Pharaoh were all destroyed in the Red Sea. 
That Moses, in spontaneity, he breaks out into a song and he, and he, and he speaks of God's wonders. Speaks, he, he glorifies God. It's a worship service. And then he gives glory to God for his faithfulness in delivering them from their enemies. They're going to sing that song of Moses. I believe it's Exodus chapter 15. It could be Deuteronomy 32. You can read both of those. Both of those are songs that Moses spoke. But I believe 15 is the one because it speaks of deliverance from their enemies. Because there's going to be an enemy that's going to be chasing them down. Not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. The Gentiles. In Deuteronomy chapter 32... There's a portion here that certainly makes sense when you put it into context with what the Jews will be singing at this time, these folks. In Deuteronomy 32, this is a part of another song of Moses. Just look at the verses 41 through 43. If I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh. Sounds like a good bedtime story <laughs> with the blood of saints i'm sorry with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemy rejoice o gentiles with his people for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries he will provide atonement for his land and his people and his people and what could be the song of the lamb Notice there's two songs that are going to be sung, the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. The Song of the Lamb we saw back in Revelation chapter uh, 5, verse 19. Or, I'm sorry, verse 9 and 10. What is it? For you, O Lord, for you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests of our God. We shall reign on the earth. I believe that's very possibly the song of the Lamb they will sing. And they'll also sing the song of Moses, the Jews who are going to be going through that time. They will also sing that song. They will also sing that song. Notice in verse 4 that all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Right now that's not happening. But there's coming a day in the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ, that all nations will come before him. When he returns, it tells us in Matthew chapter 25, when he returns to the earth, there's going to be a judgment of nations. We call it the sheep and the goats judgment, where God is going to take those nations who have supported his people, and he's going to set them on one side, and he's going to take those who have rejected him and and been horrible to his people, he's going to set them on another side. And he's going to destroy those people of those nations who have rejected Christ and have treated his people badly. But notice what it says in Zechariah chapter 14. Verse 16, I love the book of Zechariah. If you look at Zechariah and you look at the last three chapters, it sounds very much like the Old or the New Testament. I sometimes think of Zechariah as being a New Testament book. It's so clear in what it portrays there. It's an amazing thing that God gave to a man a long time before Jesus even came to the earth. But what does it say in Zechariah 14? 
beginning in verse 16, And it shall come to pass that everyone who has left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem, what that means is that the separation of the sheep and the goats has already occurred, right, at the beginning of the millennial reign. Does that make sense? The sheep and the goats, those nations have already been separated, and of those, notice, everyone who has left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king. All nations are going to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. What? There's going to be feasts still going on in the, in the, new, in, in the, uh, in the millennial reign? Absolutely. Even sacrifices. <gasps> but I thought Jesus, his sacrifice was once and for all. Yeah, absolutely. That's all that was needed. But it tells us in Ezekiel and here in Zechariah that there's still going to be sacrifices going on, not because they need to happen, but they're going to be there for memorial to remember God's faithfulness and all of those things, all of those feasts and what they stood for. They're going to be there for memorial. Do you understand? Once and for all, Jesus died on the cross. There's no more sacrifices that need to happen. It's all been done in him. But in the millennial reign, there will be sacrifices going on in memorial. And you can read that yourself. You can read it. Start in Ezekiel chapter 44 through 47 and read what we, what we read here. But notice that it says, It shall be that whichever the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. And if the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. It's almost like he's giving them a pre, uh, telling them in advance, because evidently there's going to be a problem, some kind of problem with Egypt during this time. And he's calling them out here well in advance. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if God really knows what he's talking about, do you? I mean, is he really omniscient? Does he really know all? Can he see the end from the beginning? I don't think so. I think he's just making it up. No, he's saying, no, this is going to happen. It's gonna, there's going to be a little squirm. There's going to be a little problem here, but I'm telling them now. And when they read it in the millennial reign, they're like, hmm, <laughs> sorry, Lord. And he'll say, I accept your apology. If the family of Egypt will not come up and, and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not come up to the Feast of Tabernacles. In that day, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Imagine hearing that. Hearing the bells of the horses and to see holiness to the Lord inscribed on the bells of the horses. The pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them. In that day there shall be no longer a Canaanite in the, ho- in the house of the Lord of hosts. What does it say in Zechariah chapter 2? Just going back to the beginning of the book of Zechariah. In chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst. Does that sound like the millennial reign to you? It is. I will dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people. And I will dwell in your midst. Isn't that what he promised? Isn't that what it says in the Bible? Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe what you see on YouTube? Be very careful. Folks, can I just say something? Be very careful. Seriously. YouTube, there's good things on YouTube, but there is a lot of mess on YouTube. Don't believe everything you see. Don't even believe everything you hear. 
Seriously, so much deception out there. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.